Lord, we recognize your presence in this place, and we long for you to speak to us. So as we continue this morning in worship together, as we continue in your word, in the context of this community, would you bring it to life? Would you move us to respond that we might join you in what you are doing as we scatter out into the world? Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Pray that with me. Come, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. Several years ago, I went to China as a part of the Beeson program at Asbury Seminary, and it was a wonderful experience of how they do church in that closed culture and part of the world. One night we were in Xi'an and we had some free time, and so my buddies and I hit the streets. Our hotel was on a major thoroughfare right down the street from the Xi'an Bell Tower, and that place is every bit of bright lights and big city. But right outside our hotel and down around the corner was the Muslim market, streets of open-air shops, people selling trinkets and food. There were crowds of people. Life was in the air, and it was well after dark. And we stopped as we walked, watching people playing cards or buying bread from vendors and sharing it amongst ourselves. And we came upon a crowd of people at this gathering, at this open space, and we could see someone whose hands were tied together, his face was painted, there's a chain around his neck. Quite honestly, it looked like hazing of some sort. And my friend, Fred, got all up in their business, as is very common with Fred. He had his camera and he asked, does anybody here speak English? And there was one person who did. And Fred asked what was going on, not as a keeper of the peace, but as a learner of the culture. And there was one man who said, I do, come with me, and invited him to go back upstairs into a room that was out of the way. And I'm like, uh-uh, you're not going alone. And I'm not going with you. Our friend Eric was willing to go, and so they did, up the stairs to the left and into this room, and they were gone for what seemed like an eternity. And in my mind, I'm getting ready to go all Jack Ryan on somebody. Why is that so funny? <laughs> Lost in my thoughts, playing out the worst case scenario, and all of a sudden, Fred and Eric reappear. And they're safe, and they're grateful for the experience that they'd had, that they went upstairs inside, and the first thing they did when they were up there, Fred took a selfie. That's so Fred. And there was this woman who's got a headdress on there in the middle of that picture, dressed up. This is the bride. Her wedding is the next day. This is a weekend of celebration. She's engaged to that guy who was in the chains. He was the groom. And they were just celebrating, having fun, as was their custom. And when people from around the world stumble upon this wedding party and barge their way inside, you're gonna take them into the bridal chamber to meet your daughter as well, aren't you? That was the father of the bride who was a person of peace. From that point on, the party was on. For them, for us, this 
year of the party is on for us. And this morning, we're framing out our year, setting the stage for all that God wants to do with two sermons uh, with an emphasis on our mission. We're not talking missions, not talking programming, but mission of the church. We are sent. I want you to say that with me. We are sent. And if you're watching online, go ahead and type that into the comments. We are sent. And we're reminded of that this morning in Luke chapter 10, where Jesus sent the 72 out in pairs of two. He sent them two by two. Last week, we were in Luke chapter 9, where Jesus sent out the 12 disciples. They returned apostles. And keep in mind that in Luke chapter 8, it was Jesus who traveled about from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God, and the 12 were with him. And so Jesus is taking his disciples with him, modeling for them what it is he wants them to do, and then releasing them into the world to do what he had been doing. He did the same with the 72, and this pattern has followed the church and the followers of Jesus since that time, clear all the way up even to today. We are sent. That's our legacy, our heritage, our mission to proclaim the kingdom of God. That proclamation is marked by signs and wonders, the activity of God, the presence of God in our lives. And it's so much more than a really neat marketing strategy or going to tell five people about Jesus and inviting them to church. It's so much more than that. And I believe deep down in, I want you to as well. There's got to be more. When Jesus sent the 12 and the 72, and as he sends us, there is so much more. In Luke chapter 10, Jesus began by saying, there is a lot of work to be done, and there are very few who are willing to do it. God is the one who owns the entire field, which is ripe for harvest, more plentiful than we can even imagine, more than there are workers to bring in. For this harvest, there are particular tools that Jesus invites us to utilize right here at our fingertips, so easy for us to employ, and it is appropriate for us to pray for these tools. In fact, Jesus invites us to pray for workers, not to pray for the harvest, that's ripe, full. Pray for workers. Pray for them. He commands us because this harvest is not something that we can conjure up on our own or do on our own strength, not anything that we can do alone. We need help. That's why he sent us out, sent us out two by two, and it's why we rely on him with everything. Jesus sent his followers out, and in their going, he asked him, them first and foremost to pray not for the harvest, but for more workers. And he's not sugarcoating it. Pray for workers because I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. To be clear, Jesus is sending us out into that world, which is a hot mess. People are hurting and broken, and as we go, we'll be helpless to defend ourselves. There will be people who vehemently oppose us, and some of those people are even here in the church. Ultimately, those who are not aligned with Jesus 
are destructive symbols, and I don't want to be on that side of the equation. They're dead set against his mission. This work isn't just hard. It could end you, costing us everything, which is all the more reason to take nothing, to travel lightly, to live simply, stepping out in faith that God is the one who will provide all of our needs according to his riches and glory, which is very different than what we want, and greet no one. Jesus isn't saying, don't be courteous or be discourteous, but he's saying, stay focused, avoid distractions. Just after Jesus, as the Apostle Paul lived and entered into Rome, there was an intricate and elaborate system of roads that greatly aided the expansion of the kingdom, the proclamation of the gospel. And legend has it that there is one crossroad where three roads came together, and it was called the Tri-Via. And at this road, people would discuss very inconsequential matters, trivia. How often do people look at our lives, our conversations? How often do they look into our church and think, they're just worried about frivolous things. What's the difference? How are we living our lives any different than what God has called us to, any different than the world on the outside. There's no sense of urgency to our mission. The urgency of the day, both then and now, calls us to look for places of receptivity, people of peace. And Jesus invites us to let him lead, to be out in front, saying, look for the person of peace, and when you find them, my peace will rest on them. My peace. And that person will be your ticket in. That person is the worker that you're praying for. They might not even believe like you or think like you. But they can open the door to places that we can't get in without them. So stay with them, learn the town through them, and let me do the rest because the kingdom of God is near. And this world is hurting, hungry, and desperate for something more. Every day, this world reminds us how few can escape the cycles of poverty. Socioeconomic circumstances dictate our future. Psychologists tell us people don't change. Addictions never can go away. They can only be managed. Problems can only be manipulated by science but never transcended. People feel lost and trapped by circumstance. The cycles of violence and anger, abuse and pain, they never seem to be broken. Ours is a society that yearns for hope. We crave good news. We long for the gospel. The city of Tyler longs for the gospel that we have within us, a new world to be born. And there are people out there, persons of peace, through whom we can connect that are gatekeepers into so much more. David Fitch is the man who spoke those words, wrote those words. He's a bivocational pastor in Illinois who does not receive any money from the church he pastors. He's one of six pastors there, Peace of Christ Church in Westmont. It's a suburb of Chicago. He also chairs the School of Evangelical Theology at Northern Seminary, and that job serves as his primary means of income. 
And oftentimes, David Fitch can be found at McDonald's where he has eaten many an Egg McMuffin while reading or grading papers, and he's gotten to know a lot of people over the course of that season of his life, so much so that he is like the chaplain of that McDonald's. Wouldn't it be great if this room was full of chaplains to all the places that we frequent and we knew people by name, whether they worked there or served there. He was like a chaplain of that McDonald's, and the manager at that McDonald's welcomed David Fitch in as that, uh, he, he was that person of peace that David Fitch needed to be able to set up camp and work as often as he did. He was a gatekeeper into the lives of others, that manager was. Well, one guy David Fitch struck up a relationship with was named John, and he'd been unsheltered for several years. And it was getting close to Christmas, and it was going to be another year of not seeing his children. It had been 10. John had gone through an ugly and devastating breakup of his marriage. He was estranged from his ex-wife and from his children. And he cycled through hatred and violence and vengeance to deal with his brokenness and with his pain. He could not break this cycle that he was caught up in. And so he found himself all alone, this guy named John, in the confines of his 2003 Chevy van is where he lived. And sometimes he would go into McDonald's and David Fitch pastored him. And after years of sitting at that table where the presence of Christ was manifest, there in McDonald's, Something opened up in John, and Dave Fitch spoke to him, saying, John, I believe Jesus is Lord over all your brokenness, over all your pain and shame, and even over the broken relationships that are a part of your past. He's able to make all things new and to work redemptively in your life. Can you receive that, John? Do you believe that, John? And because David Fitch and really the presence of God had earned the right to speak and be heard, his heart was ripe. And he responded and received salvation that day. He saw his kids and things were made right between them, healed between them. His marriage was not restored, but there was a new work that God was doing in him because one person was a gatekeeper the manager at McDonald's, and he made the work of God, the work of Jesus possible there in that sacred place. David Fitch connected that work to the whole of Scripture, bore witness out of his own experience, and proclaimed, speaking into John, this new possibility that was there for him. And God's Holy Spirit, it funded John's imagination so that he could begin to think, well, what if there's something more? What if God can bring healing and make all things new, even this mess of my life? That enabled him to respond to the kingdom and enter into it, experiencing hope, joy, peace. Church, in that story, the manager at McDonald's was the person of peace, the worker 
that we are to pray for, and we don't know much about him. David Fitch probably did. Don't know that he believed, but he gained access, Fitch did, because he won the heart and respect of that manager. John was the harvest. David Fitch, faithful for the long haul, repeatedly entering into that place and learning faces and names and calling people as such. He was fully present. Let's go back to China, the very beginning of it all. That man who took my friend Fred up, he was the father of the bride, the person of peace, the worker that we pray for. And the harvest was the experience and the expression of the bride and groom. Don't know if they were Christian, don't think they were, but it's a metaphor for us that there is something more, there's got to be more. And there are persons of peace out there, gatekeepers for us to gain entrance into the lives of others, to have front row seats at the work of Christ in this place. Fred was just curious. And so he asked questions about his surroundings. He had eyes to see. And he asked, close enough, inquisitive enough to be invited in. Church, it is more than strategy. It's culture where being sent is setting the tone for who we are. And as we go, we are responsive to the work of God who's already gone before us. And our answer is, Lord, whatever you're doing, wherever you're going, however you're leading, it's yes, it's always yes, it's always yes. The harvest is plentiful. The laborers are few, so let's pray to the Lord of the harvest and ask him to send laborers into the fields so that we might experience that kindredness and gain access to the work of God, the work that God is doing. It's on us to be the faithful presence in all the places that we go. So I want to challenge you to pay attention in all of the places that you go and to go there frequently, repeatedly, with eyes and ears for who is there a sensitivity to what God might be inviting you and me into. Pray for workers, gatekeepers, people of peace through whom God might reciprocate peace and then let God do what God will do. The second thing I want to encourage you in is to be curious. As you're paying attention, ask questions. You don't have to have all of the answers about the gospel, about scripture. You don't even have to start with that. Just be kind and curious and relational, and let's agree to love really well as we go and see what God does with that church. We are sent all year long. This message frames out our mission, and the reality is When the time was right, Christ stepped down out of heaven, wrapped himself in human flesh. He lived and died and was raised from the dead, ascended into heaven. And when he did, because he did, he went from being someone on the outside of us to the one who lives inside of those who claim his name, who receive his presence by repentance and respond to this call, being sent. 
we are sent, not left to our own devices. He is with us. He is in us. Even better, we have each other. We go together. So Lord God, as we draw this time of worship to a close, would you move in our hearts, move on your church, move through this church, because we know there is a world that's hurting and in need. And we don't have the answers. They're not looking for us to give them. We have your presence, Jesus. So help us to be love, to point to the answer through the way we care and love and serve Jesus. We love you. We trust you. And we long for more. So come, Holy Spirit. It's in your name we pray.